Hello, this is Stephanie Moyer, and this is Conscious Sobriety. Today is our very first episode ever, and I'm doing all the testing, and I'm trying to get an interlude going. Um, I want to get started with a quick episode that's all about me and my journey, and I can't do it all in one episode to explain the complexity, but I want to give you an overview that I can go back to later and um, mention, and there will be some understanding there. So why I've started Conscious Sobriety is because I want to document the, the, the journey that I've been on in my sobriety and also give a voice to deciding to be sober because it's, in, it's a conscious effort that I'm making. So if you're trying to choose a life away from alcohol and you're confused and you want to know if it's worth it, um, this podcast is going to be a deep dive into all the joy and um, struggles that come with sobriety and being conscious and awake to those struggles. So one reason why I stay sober and stay alcohol free is because I believe I finally got to a point where I am worthy and I feel worthy of having a life that I do not want to numb in any way. So the wanting aspect is really important because it's a really simple and easy solution to numb whatever boredom or stress or anxieties that you're feeling with, a, with um, something that will completely numb those uncomfortable feelings. And this podcast is going to be one that will help you awake and help you become more aware of why we want to numb those things and how just sitting in them and being in them can sometimes be a better route. Um, So again, I'm Stephanie Moyer. I want to give you in this episode just a quick little history with my alcohol and when I started questioning it all. So it all started in high school with drinking It was, I have an older sister, her name's Meredith, and I really look up to her, and I I think everything she does is something I want to do. And so when she was in high school, she first started in ninth grade, I am four years younger, so I was in fifth grade, and all I did was look at her and think, I'm going to do everything she does, I want to be her best friend, and um, like a lot of second children, I think, um... Everything she did, I was like, I'm for sure going to do. So I, I watched the way that she made friends and the things they did and the things that were kind of seeming to be secretive. And um, some of those things she'd tell me outright, some of the parties and different things she did in high school. And I thought it was all good and, and grace and um, it was all good. And so then I, so then When I got to high school, I had these ideas in my mind too. I was like, I want to have friends and I want to be cool. And um, so I was invited to my first party in the ninth grade. And I'm a pretty young schooler because my birthday is in April. So I turned 15 April of 2010. Yeah, right. I think that's right. And so um, my freshman year, I remember going to a party and I'm from a really rural town in North Carolina and we we were just literally out in a field 
and the drinking was the main um, activity. And I drank so much. I drank a four loco, which is like, I can't even say it. I just thought in my mind if I was going to say it because they're so disgusting. But I drank like an entire four loco and I was just gone and I got sick and it was just the probably the worst experience you can have with alcohol. But because of everything I've seen up until that point, I was like, I'm going to figure it out. Like I'm going to I'm going to master this thing because it it gives me life and it's the reason why everybody wants to gather and be together in my mind. Um, that kind of continued for ever. I mean, all of high school, it was feeling like we're doing things and we're going to hopefully drink. And it had this like, um, it had this mystery to it. It had, um, an element of we know this is bad and we're still going to do it and it's going to be really life-giving. It's going to be really fun. And I think my issues with that were around the media. Like every movie I ever saw had something to do with drinking in it and it was so unconscious, me taking in that information. I was like, this is just how life is. Um, I want to bring up my parents because my parents were not drinkers in my childhood. And I've talked to my mom about it now. And she really um, says she doesn't think she could have been a a big drinker raising us. There were three of us. We were all pretty spread apart. But she just remembers really trying to figure out parenting and figure out how to go back to work and continue her self-work and parent was really challenging, she says, and she doesn't understand how she could have drank at the same time. So we, when we would go to family get-together, well, actually not really family get-togethers, but parties um, where my parents were there with other parents, I would see my mom and dad have probably one, one beer or one glass of wine, and that would be it. And I, I kind of thought good. I don't want my parents to be getting drunk because then how are they going to drive home with me in the car? Or I don't want my parents drinking a lot because I knew there was something to drinking that makes you not yourself. And that made me feel really scared and nervous for them because I was like, "Mm, I don't want them to be drinking a bunch because that's going to change who my parents are. And the stability of my parents was so strong um, up until I started high school. So my freshman year, or it was really eighth grade going into ninth grade. I said my sister's four years older than me, so it was her senior year of high school into her freshman year of college. And um, my parents split up. And I had a lot of confusion, and I I went straight to forgiveness. I was like, it's okay. We'll get through it. Um, I forgive my mom. I forgive my dad. Like, we're going to work through everything. Um, And I don't think I really understood the impact it had on how I perceived fun and how I perceived um, my drinking as um, a 14-year-old. And then it was pretty sporadic throughout high school. I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I wanted to do it in a social element where it was fun and, and flirty and I had a lot of weight in how boys and people viewed me and how I got their attention if I was going to be funny if I was going to be sassy I usually went the sassy route and um 
yeah, and it's it's weird looking back now because I don't remember a whole lot of high school. I remember some teachers and some experiences, but I don't remember a whole lot. Um, and I don't know if that's due to just my parents getting divorced and that being really um, traumatic and kind of working through that. And that's why, or it's just a long time ago. But yeah, my drinking started in high school and my family perspectives was always like my parents didn't do it a lot, but I knew that I didn't want them to. So I I find that interesting because I'm like, why did I not want my parents to drink? But I was so here for it and was so excited to do it. It's that mystery thing, that thing of like, ooh, I know this is bad and, but it's going to make everything better. I can't think of anything else in the world that's like that. What is something that you know is bad but is going to make things better in the long run? The, that like whole sentence doesn't even make sense to me now. And I think it took me a long time to figure that out. So next, I wanted to go to Penn State since I was probably 14 around that time. Uh, my freshman year, my dad took me to my first Penn State football game. And I was just enthralled with the love for a school. I didn't really understand or comprehend how so many people could be so hyped for an institution around football and around the school being really strong, and I was just in love with it. And being from a rural town in in North Carolina, I did want to get out of that town, and I wanted to be more, and not that they're less, but there was a, a, I had a mindset of, I, I need to do more. I need to be more. I need to get out of here and go experience the world in more ways. And so it was my senior year before everything started. So probably like July, August. And my dad took me to Outback Steakhouse, which is a a really nice restaurant when you're from a town of 9,000 people. And it's 45 minutes away. And so my dad was like, let's go. And I said, okay. (laughs) And we went and he told me that If I wanted to go to Penn State and I got in, that he could send me there and we could work it out if that was really what I wanted. And that was such a crazy, awesome moment. And I think, I I mean, I still talk about it today because I was like, this is it. Like, I want this. And it felt really good to know that if I wanted to do it and if I got in, I could go. Like it wasn't just a dream. It became more of a reality. And so I worked really hard on my application and I got in in November of 2012 and then went on after, um, after I graduated in June, I went for my freshman orientation. And again, I knew that something was going to happen, something life-giving through alcohol or through some other substance was going to happen that weekend. Even though my my older sister Meredith and my dad were there with me, I was like we're going to we're going to sneak somewhere. They're going to start giving me the insights into how college and party life is going to work. And we did go to a hookah bar, which I felt was that was my first experience with that. Um, it felt pretty mild. I was like, this is a little bad, but it's legal and everything's okay around it. I felt safe and I didn't feel like super altered, but yeah. So then when I got into college and I was there, I knew what I was doing a little bit more. I wasn't so, um, I was curious, but I wasn't curious, like a blind curiousness. I was just curious and I was 
ready to go, basically. And um, I knew I was joining, going to a, a pretty big party school. I kind of argued that, that any college could be a party school if you want it to be, right? But I knew it, I knew Penn State was a big, a big into that. And we love football and I love football. So there was a lot of that energy. And um, yeah, I wanted so much so to just make friends and um, be fun and carefree. And I didn't want to be the downer of any situation that was really gonna bring me a lot of pain probably if I thought oh my gosh you're not fun or you can't keep up or whatever and so I joined a sorority my freshman year I thought about that a lot but I was I kind of thought I want to make friends because I'm from out of state and I really didn't get homesick that whole first year I was I was so happy to be there and um it was great and I was I would drink in situations like fraternity par- parties and tailgating and stuff. I was aware though that I could get in a lot of trouble if I got caught doing this. And so my drinking was pretty tame in my first 3 years of college. I still had nights where things got a little out of hand, but it was more um it was more safe it felt to me because I wasn't going to walk around unable to keep my my wits about me and so and I think that's an interesting shift though then because when it became became legal for me to drink when I turned 21 of my junior year um, in April it really kind of changed the game I was like this is fine I can do this so it doesn't matter if I'm walking around drunk and and falls and I fall down like yeah, maybe that's public drunkenness or um, all those things. But I was like, I, I know I'm not going to drive or get behind a wheel. I can drink as much as I want. And it's basically the center of everything that I'm doing now because I'm going to be a senior and I want to soak up all the time I have left at Penn State and do everything. But I didn't do everything. Now, looking back at it, I didn't climb Mount Nittany. I didn't go to all the different kinds of sporting events I went to. I really put myself in a in a hole, a rigid aspect of living that surrounded with drinking and trying all the bars and going to different events and and meeting guys and and trying to I don't know why I thought I was gonna meet the man for me at a bar I mean sometimes it happens it definitely happens in the movies but uh it wasn't working for me because I wasn't really myself when I was drinking and um yeah, so that's that's kind of my college experience. I had some really not great nights and but it was always kind of laughed about. And I was like, it's this weird thing. Like I said, I mentioned earlier, why is this thing I know it's bad, but I think it's going to be so good and it's going to give me so much. So then in college, there were these bad things that happened because of alcohol, but we didn't consider them bad. We considered them silly, drunken college nights and ah ha this is like a funny story you can tell later. Or I feel so badly, I can't even go to class, which I'm, pay- my, I'm paying and my dad's paying a lot of money for me to go to class. It's really backwards and... Um, I wasn't really waking up to that at all. So then I graduated 
college in 2017 and I moved to Greensboro, North Carolina. I got into a program where I'd be teaching in low-income areas and um, I was really excited about that. Again, it was something I really wanted like Penn State and I got in and it was happening. And then when I got to be an adult, I was kind of, my mindset was just, okay, yeah, like life is fun. You have money now. You're not going to be graduating college with $3.87 in your bank account anymore. You're making money. And so now you get to spend that money on fun adventures and experiences. And instead of exploring my city, (laughs) my new city that I really hadn't spent a lot of time in, it was only an hour. Greensboro is about an hour and a half from where I grew up, but I didn't know anything about it. And, um, Instead of exploring the city for what it was, I explored the bars and I I found which bar I liked and um, what kinds of Friday and Saturday nights I wanted to have and then what kinds of Sundays inevitably came. Um, And I did that for probably two years, probably 2017, 2018. I think I started shifting my mindset when I got my dog. I got my dog Bronx, who is the light of my life. I'm looking at him right now. And he helped me slightly become more responsible for like more than just myself, you know. Um, But he's a really easygoing dog and he's literally asleep. It's 11 o'clock, you know. So if that wasn't like an if I had a hyperactive dog and I had to be more responsible or like a baby or something like that, like that would probably have kicked my butt a little bit more. But he started to wake me up and um, I started to wake up too because I was like, I can't be irresponsible to the point where I don't get home in time to take Bronx outside or I forget to feed him or, you know, those things that you do for yourself, but doing them for someone else kind of shifts your mindset a little bit. So I got him in February of 2018 and I kind of just kept going. It was, everything was pretty good. And, um, I was kind of dating a couple of, I dated probably like three guys in the first couple of years. And, um, we met and, and our hanging out and our dating was all centered around alcohol. And I started feeling like, the anxiety and the really big feelings started happening around this time because I was like, oh my gosh, did I say something stupid? Or like, did I call him like a billion times? And I was like, am I going to met, what if I do meet somebody that I care about? And am I going to mess this up? Those, those thoughts started creeping in a little bit. Um, and then in 2019, oh, I want to backtrack a little bit because there's an element to the drinking story that doesn't have to do with drinking, but is probably a link to it. And that was like my weight and um, the way I viewed my body and who I was. I was really, um, I really talked badly about myself and I thought it was funny. Like I was like, haha, like, yeah, for like the college weight is definitely here. And it was just kind of like, you know what? Screw it. Like, if I'm going to be fat, like whatever. But then I just, I, I, that narrative got tired. It got tired and boring and that I was like always, it wasn't funny anymore to myself. It might have been, maybe it got some laughs because people were uncomfortable. But I was like, why, 
why do I view myself this way? Like, why is it funny to be overweight and uncomfortable and literally take a picture and hate the way I look in it over and over and over again when there's another alternative, right? Um, Because, like, I haven't really analyzed my... I don't think I had any kind of eating disorders other than the fact that I just wanted to eat whatever I wanted and I didn't care about the effects that that has. And so around when my sister got engaged and she was to be married in 2018, I kind of was like, I want to look good. Like I want to look good and I want to feel good for my sister's wedding, which is a big deal. And then I was like, yeah, I want to feel good. I want to look good all the time. I want to go to a store and try on clothes that I think look good on my body. And I started really focusing on that and I worked really hard to lose some weight. And then, um, but I was continuing my drinking and I thought, you know, I can eat well and I can exercise and I can drink because that's what a lot of people do, right? That's, it's the life giving. It's not, it's the bad thing that's only bad when you're doing too much of it or when you're not doing it the way you're supposed to, right? So then in 2019, I'm feeling really good about my weight and my and my exploration into myself and really trying to be my best self and that was kind of like I was doing a lot of work with reflecting in my career I was working really hard but I was still drinking it was like the last puzzle for me and so I was drinking a lot and then um, I met this incredible man and we started going out on dates but I was like look I want to get this right I want to do this um the best I can and the only way I can do that is if I am completely honest with him and I um try to be clear about my expectations I was very into expectations I was like I'm gonna tell him what I want and what I like and if he doesn't (laughs) respond then I'm not gonna be here for this right but um it was the first time I think in my life that I really was not going to put up with anything that I might have before but I also just knew I was like if I just be myself and accept things as they come and I don't overthink things and I don't take things incredibly personally um Maybe things will work out and it will be really an authentic experience. And so it was going really well. And we were taking things slowly and we were getting to know each other. Um, And a lot of our hangouts and our dates and what we experienced together had a drinking element. And it was fun and it felt like, wow, this is adulthood. Like, this is literally what it's like to be an adult. I can um, drink a couple of glasses of wine on a date and really like be silly and flirty with someone and um they think I'm adorable and all those things but this thing that I'm doing is a bad thing that I think good things are going to come from again going back to that statement like alcohol is not good and I think good is going to come from it how does that make sense to me but it still did and um that man, Sean, and I got into a really big fight on Memorial Day after a lot of drinking. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was my first like wake up. I was like, I could 100% lose him. 
And it could be something that I don't even remember doing because uh, I was blacked out. Like, I could do something while I was blacked out to make him literally never talk to me again. And I had no control. And having no control when you're controlling everything else in your life down to how you respond to text messages, like, that's really scary. And I think that really turned the light on for me because I was like, you are doing it. You're doing the work with yourself. You're doing everything right, pretty much. But you're doing this thing and it's going to ruin the thing you care about the most. How does that make sense? And so... Sean and I really started having conversations around drinking and around how it makes us feel and the control we felt like it had on our lives. And he found this incredible book. So his mom gave him a book and I'm an English teacher. So I love books. And his mom gave him a book called This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And I'm going to have an episode of this podcast where I deep dive into the quit literature that I've loved and and literally given me my sobriety. Um, And Sean hadn't read it yet. Yet is the key word. Um, Because he had heard heard and I had heard that once you read this book, you're not going to go back. And neither of us really wanted that, right? It's this cognitive dissonance in your brain. So cognitive is all about thinking, your cognition, your thoughts, right? And then the dissonance is when two things are going against each other and it's creating uncomfortability and this thing that's like can... In my body, somebody that really feels things in their body created literal chest pains and and anxiety that was almost inability, like the inability to just keep living wasn't happening. And um, so I read the book and I read it in like three days and she just breaks everything down and she just tells you why you think the way you do and why alcohol has the hold it does on you. And then she says, you don't have to live this way. And I was like, what? What do you mean? I don't, I don't have to live this way. This is it. This is the the path and the, and the way about things. And she literally just was like, no, it isn't. You can, you can live a life where this isn't it for you. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Cause it was, it was genuinely controlling my thoughts. And like my relationship with Sean was the catalyst for why I thought, started thinking that like life can be more. And if life can be more, and this thing is going to mess up that more, you need to address that. And he was the reason for that for me. And then in this book, when I learned that it doesn't have to control your thoughts, because I was thinking in my mind, I was like, okay, when am I going to drink next? What am I going to drink? How much am I going to drink? Who am I going to drink with? And it's all the time from the moment I wake up. And then the moment I wake up thinking, when am I going to, when am I going to, what am I going to, the minute that I wake up the next day, I'm like, what did I do? What did I do? What did I say? How did I make people feel? The people that I care the most about. Um, that's really scary because you don't really know all the way. And I didn't know all the way because I was drinking so much. It was having a glass of wine with dinner and then having a bottle, and then I was just buying boxed wine, because I don't want to know in reality how much I'm drinking, and how quickly it goes out of my, out of my apartment, Um, so when I read This Naked Mind by Annie Grace again, 
I kind of picked my day. And Sean and I came home from Charleston, which was a weekend where we both indulged and felt literally terrible physically. And kind of, I felt badly about myself um, because I was like, here I am again and I can't do it. And, and I'm sorry, I, that's reversed. So it was, we came home Sunday, we got a, a bottle of red wine with dinner for at Harris Teeter because in our minds, like you don't eat dinner without drinking. Like you just don't. So we got our last bottle of red wine. And then the next day, that Monday, June 24th, I started reading the book. So I apologize. I started reading the book and I was working through it. So I wasn't drinking anymore. I was done. I wanted to be done. That's a, I, I, I re, um, rephrase that. I wanted to be done. So then I was reading the book, wanted to be done. And I kept reading. And then in the part of the book, it says, you have all these experiences with drinking and you think they're life-giving. They think that you think that they're the way, but why don't you just try to have a fun thing that you want to do without drinking and see if you can do it. See if you can have fun and not drink. And so I remember going out to this, this bar in downtown Greensboro where I have gotten a lot to drink before. And I just said, I'm not going to drink. And I didn't. And I was with Sean, who I love so much, and I was so on fire for that I was like, this is okay. So we didn't drink, and my friends did. And, you know, I was still having fun, and I was laughing, and I wasn't thinking, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said that. Because I wasn't saying things I shouldn't have been saying that night. I wasn't, I was being myself, and I was laughing, and... I think it's because I did had I had done all the self-work or I'd started doing self-work before I started analyzing my drinking. And so I was comfortable with being myself. And it was a hit. Literally, when Sean and I wanted to go home, we just went home. We played, I remember playing cards together. And then we were like, we're tired. We're going to go to bed. And we went to bed and we slept. And it felt amazing. And I woke up energized and excited that this is it. Um, and so for me, it was, I read a book, I decided, yep, that's it. And I woke up, I woke up to the lie that something bad can bring good. Something bad, a bad experience can a hundred percent bring good. I do believe that, but something that's bad all the time isn't going to magically bring something good. And maybe it will in hindsight. And you're like, hey, that was a fun night. Like, But like, was it a fun night? Or were you anxious about what you were doing and what you were saying? Um, were you a little bit scared when you left wherever you were because of how much you had drank? Like, there are these questions in your mind that just, you tell yourself this story because you want it to be true. I wanted so badly for alcohol to be the good but I knew it was bad. So that's like a little bit of history for me. And I'm at 30 minutes, which is a long time of me just talking and you hearing my voice. So I do want to wrap it up here, but that's my history with alcohol and how I got started thinking about it, how I got started thinking about how I don't want it in my life anymore. And um, I mentioned cognitive dissonance 
that was really prevalent for me. I w- it was so I was so uncomfortable. My thoughts were so uncomfortable to sit in and I had to do something and I I'm so grateful for Sean and I'm so grateful for this naked mind for starting this journey because last Wednesday I celebrated my one year sober and I'm a year away from all of this and I'm a year awake to a life that is so much more and I've learned so much and I just want to share that with you with y'all and I want to share um the things that I've learned and the places I want to go in my sobriety journey in the future because this life is worth not numbing and sometimes you really want to numb it because things happen and and people leave and people come back and it's a lot of things life is really hard it's definitely not easy and and to feel like you could handle life without something that alters you is empowering and I feel strong in myself more than I ever did while I was drinking. I know that I am a force and I can do anything I put my mind to and things are going to mess up and I'm going to mess up but I'm not going to go to something that is bad that I know is bad and I think is going to bring me good. So I want to ask you a question and how free and I, that question is how free do you want to be and i hope through this podcast i can show you how that can be and i can help you with the resources and i can hear your thoughts and your questions along the way um so this is conscious sobriety and i'm stephanie moyer and i thank you so much for listening and letting me share my story